The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Okay, MMA on the rocks, following the aftermath of UFC 202. My name is Bill. I'm here with Jeff the Animal Wilson. And Jeff, I think this card kind of lived up to the hype. What's your perspective here? Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially the main card. We didn't get to see too much of the prelim card because we showed up a little late. But that main card was phenomenal. Four knockouts. And the one fight that did go to a decision was probably fight of the year. Yeah, it was definitely up there. I mean, that Connor and Nate fight was was a barn burner for sure. And just so back and forth. I mean, whoever you were rooting for, I mean, at some point was winning that fight. Yeah, definitely. But I think that the judges got it right. Some people will disagree with me, but I don't see why. Well, I, I can see why. Not Not that I think Nate won the fight. But I think it's difficult to judge a fight 100% objectively. So when you root for a particular fighter, you almost convince yourself while you're watching that they're doing things to win. And you may, you may ignore subtle things that, that his opponent is doing or her opponent is doing um, just because that's what your mind wants to believe. So you almost kind of trick yourself into it. And then... You know, when other people who think similarly are getting online and on Twitter and, and posting facts and, and stats from the fights and, you know, you're all kind of rallying together, that's kind of how these things snowball a little bit. But I, I agree with you. I think Connor convincingly won rounds uh, one, two, and four. I, I definitely scored three and five for Nate. You know, you could you could even throw a couple of 10-8s in there. I know some people gave Connor a 10-8 for round one. Some people gave Nate a 10-8 for round three. And I wouldn't disagree with either of those. What do you think? I definitely agree with you. And I kind of had the fight sport the same way with rounds one, two, and four going to Connor, And three and five were all me. Yeah. But I felt like um, Connor McGregor fought smarter. He went in there with a game plan. And I felt like he just did more throughout the fight to win. Yeah, definitely. And I'm glad you brought up the game plan because I think that was definitely the key to victory. And and that's what I had kind of predicted would be the key to victory for him was to go in there smart, not burn himself out, uh, not get into a brawl like Nate was trying to bait him into a couple of times throughout the fight, which was smart on Nate's part. Um, But... I knew that if Connor stayed composed and he didn't gas himself out or punch himself out, that he would be able to come away with the decision, and, and that's pretty much what he did. And if he kept was able to keep the fight standing, which he was able to do fairly easily. I was pretty impressed with his takedown defense. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and the, the problem with the stats that were posted and floating around the internet are that it doesn't break it down by round, and that's how MMA is scored. It's scored by round. The winner of the round wins 10 points. The loser gets nine or less. 10-point must system, uh, same as boxing. That hasn't changed. Um, it, it's been, you know, suspect, and, and a lot of people think that it needs to change, but that's the system that we're faced with right now. Um, and 
you know, a lot of Nate's strikes came in those third and fifth rounds that he did win. So, you know, people aren't wrong for posting these statistics. Nate did win, but he won only two out of the five rounds. I, he hardly landed anything in the first and second round, and he didn't win. He didn't win the fourth round. So, uh, I mean, mathematically, there was no way for him to to be up on anybody's scorecard. One judge did have it a draw, which is why it was ruled a majority decision. So, now, what do you think about this? Do you think Connor got revenge with this fight, or do you think? you know, submission beats majority decision on Nate's part. Yeah, I don't know if you can call it revenge. I mean, yeah, he won the fight, but he couldn't finish Nate, and he himself got finished. So it's a little, there's a bit of a gray area there. But, I mean, good for him to get the win. And uh, just to go back to what you were saying about Nate winning rounds three and five, even when he had, and, and even when he had, Connor uh, backed up against the cage, specifically in the third round. Connor was still landing some some pretty good shots. I saw some nice elbows from the clinch that he landed, and they looked like they were doing damage. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, the the clinch game, I feel like is is where Nate had the advantage, though. That's how he was controlling, and you know he was trying to back Connor up, and Connor was kind of jogging away and. And one thing Nate said was that he thought Connor should have gotten points taken away for running because that's what that's the case in boxing. If you run away from your opponent, they deduct points. Um, it, that's not something that's come up in MMA, and it's 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 never been implemented. So to implement it, you know, during this fight at, after the fact would kind of be ludicrous. But you know, I can understand his frustration. I mean, he's getting picked apart, and then when he tries to charge in, Connor kind of trotted away and 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 got just barely out of range. But overall, impressive fight uh, by Nate Diaz, too. I mean, we know he can he can take a punch, uh, that's for sure. Yeah, but he took a beating last night, and so for him to be able to fight the way he did, especially after those first two rounds, was really impressive. And all the credit in the world to him, he's a tough guy. Yeah, definitely. And, it, and especially with the leg kicks that he was taking, you know, a lot of guys would switch their stance up or you know, start checking the kicks sooner. He's very good at at keeping his poker face and not letting you know if he's hurt, which clearly he was. I mean, he had a he had that gash over his eye. His his leg had a hematoma on it. And it was turning purple. So, I mean, clearly he took a lot of damage there, but you, you would never know by, by looking at the way that he was pressing the action. Yeah, definitely. He's got a great poker face. And there were a lot of times where it looked like Connor hit him pretty good, but... Uh, Diaz would just shake his head no, like, you know, you're not doing the damage you think you are. Yeah, definitely. So I think, you know, I, I agree that I don't think the decision trumps the submission, but if you want to talk about uh, finances, I think Connor definitely comes out on top. I believe he he made a lot more money than Nate in the first fight. I, I read a stat, a quick stat online that... Uh, out of the $6.1 million in payouts, $5 million of that went to Connor and Nate. And I'm not sure how that was divided up, but I'm sure I'm sure Connor got you know the winner's share of that. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I'm sure he got a nice bonus. That looked like it was fight of the night. And if it wasn't, I don't know who's running the UFC anymore. Yeah, they actually did get fight of the night. Um, and... Uh, the, the other performance bonuses are, are the next two fights I want to talk about. So Anthony Johnson got a performance of the night bonus for his absolute destruction of Glover Teixeira. So you want to give me your thoughts on that and try to keep it under 13 seconds. Okay. 
<laughs> yeah, that, that's about the length of the fight. And um, what's his name? Glover Teixeira actually lost a tooth. Yep. And I think that he hit the floor and the ref called the fight before the tooth landed. Yeah, that's very possible. It kind of defies the laws of physics, but um, I would probably go down quicker than a tooth if Anthony Johnson hit me too. Yeah, definitely. And Glover Teixeira, as great as a fighter as he is, I mean, he's getting up there in years, and man, I mean, Rumble Johnson just has so much power yeah. in his hands. It's scary. I think um, Glover's just been in some wars. He's actually only 34. He does kind of look older than that because he's he's kind of been through the ringer in his career. Um, I saw this fight going one of two ways coming into it. I saw a quick knockout from Anthony Johnson. Or I saw Glover staying on the outside and working his boxing or working his way inside and holding Anthony Johnson up against the cage, much like Daniel Cormier did, and, and bringing him into a little bit deeper water and either winning a decision or, or getting a TKO in, at the end of the second round or, or sometime in a third. Um, the former is what happened. I, I didn't expect the knockout to be that quick until I saw... Glover trying to stand right in the pocket with Anthony Johnson, which is possibly the worst game plan in the history of game plans. Yeah, that was not smart at all. I mean, you, you want to be using your head movement. You don't want Anthony Rumble Johnson touching you. And going back to what you were saying about Daniel Cormier, Cormier, you know, he took some hard shots too, but he, he was able to, you know, take them. And mm -hmm. I guess that Glover Teixeira didn't realize how much power um, Anthony Johnson actually has. Because it was an uppercut that caught him. It wasn't like a straight right hand. It was an uppercut that knocked him out. Yeah, which is the price you pay for standing in the pocket there. But speaking of Daniel Cormier, he was in attendance, uh, wearing a polo shirt, buttoned all the way up to his neck for some reason. Um, <laughs> seemed very Looked happy nice. for Rumble Johnson at the end of that. Do you think that he's happy that Rumble Johnson won so convincingly and that he can face a guy that he's beaten already so he doesn't have to face John Jones, who may be getting out of his suspension? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, he's going to have to fight John Jones. Yeah. Um, so we still don't know what's going on there. John Jones, you know, posted kind of a cryptic Instagram video the other day where he said he has some very good news. It seems that he may not have been taking the banned substance that USADA caught him for. And, you know, traces of this substance are also found in some over-the-counter erection pills, which seem to be what he was taking. So um, possibly some erectile dysfunction for Bones Jones or, or difficulty getting Bones Jones. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, he wasn't cheating uh, according to, you know, what he was kind of insinuating there. Um, the other downside is that he, whatever dick pills he was taking, he did not report to USADA, which is kind of against policy. You have to tell them everything that you're putting into your body, and he did not report that. Um, maybe out of shame, because I, he has, what, 29 kids or something like that? Yeah. So maybe he doesn't yeah. want it getting out there that, that he had a little assistance with that? Uh, I mean, I was thinking maybe he's cheating on his wife or something. He didn't want her to know about that. It could be, or maybe, you know, things aren't as interesting in the bedroom as they used to be, and he needs a little helping hand. I mean, he's only 28 years old, but, you know, sometimes you just need a little extra boost, I guess. I, I don't know. 
maybe, you know, if you're a combat sport athlete, traditional missionary isn't doing it for you anymore. You need a little a little fire in the pantalones. <laughs> All right, so let's move on a little bit, Bill, before this into, into an insulting match. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, <laughs> this could turn into a very different podcast real quick. Um, so... Uh, easy enough. We'll go on to the next performance of the night bonus, which was uh, Cowboy Cerrone uh, knocking out Rick the Horror Story. So what did you think about this fight? Oh, man, that was great. Donald Cerrone, looking good as always. You know, he very rarely does he have a bad fight. But, you know, he showed up. He looked great at 170. Like, we were talking about this yesterday. We feel like that is a great weight class for him. And he went out there, put on a show, and got the KO. It was great. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree slightly um, because I I do agree that he looks great at 170 and I hope he stays there and I know Dana White has said that he wants him to stay there as well, but I feel like Cerrone came out flat. He didn't look like he had the same pep in his step that he normally does, and in the first round he just wasn't getting his strikes off and and Rick Story was able to land some big shots on him that you know shouldn't have and and. In all reality, Cerrone should have been able to get him out of there in the first round, and he didn't. I feel like he woke up in the second round. You know, maybe he took a couple of shots, or maybe he got a sweat going. Maybe he didn't have a good warm up. Um, but I felt like he came out flat in that first round. Well, the thing about Cerrone is, I feel like he's kind of a slow starter. You know, it takes him a round or two to get going. Yeah, definitely. Um, but that let's just talk about that finishing combination, which was you know, a thing of beauty. I mean, perfectly timed. Uh, you couldn't uh, you couldn't have done that better on, you know, like one of those Boss Rutan hit machine things. <laughs> yeah, it was, it started with a really nice body kick and then he kind of, Zeroni hit a uh, story with, a, with a, an uppercut to the body. Then it looked like, I believe it was a quick shot to the head and then when Story leaned over, what was waiting for him was a leg kick coming up from the other side. Yeah, and it, it was really a beautiful combination, like, you know, really gorgeous-looking Muay Thai. Um, and and my opinion on it was that it was kind of a late stoppage because I feel like once an opponent turns his back to the guy he's fighting, that's saying that he's done. That's To me, that's essentially like tapping out. If you completely turn your back and face the cage... You, you know, you don't want to fight anymore, and I feel like that's when the ref needs to step in. Uh, what do you think, fair or not? Yeah, I think that's fair, and I've seen that something like that happen in one of Johanna and Jacek's fights, where I forgot who it was. It might have been Jessica Penne. Don't quote me. I watch a lot of MMA, so it all turns into like one big fight. Um, but there was one fight where Johanna and Jacek, you know, she was winning, and the other girl just turned her back to her, and I felt like that was where it was done. It was over. Yeah. Um, I, I remember the fight you're talking about, too, and I, I can't remember exactly who it was. So let's just um, let's just move on down the car. I want to glance over real quick Mike Perry and uh, Hyungyu Lim, which seemed to be a physical mismatch at first. Yeah, it was definitely David versus Goliath, but man, David pulled out a win for the little guy, literally yeah. and metaphorically. Yeah, just as we, I think everybody, everybody in the bar at last night was kind of saying that Perry looks like he was overmatched here. I mean, Lim looks like a middleweight. It looks like it was. It looked like a Nintendo Punch Out match, and uh, you know, but Perry was able to get in there and, and land some big bombs and and 
put that guy down a couple of times before that fight was stopped. And I felt like Lim was out of it before, you know, Perry even got the knockout. What do you think? Yeah, he, he got dropped about three times. And all the credit in the world to Mike Perry, because like you said, Lim is a huge welterweight. Yeah. And he's a very talented fighter as well. He was on uh, Season of Tough, and, you know, he did well. He's got a couple of wins in the UFC already. So for Mike Perry to go in as such an underdog, I felt like he did such a great job in that role. Yeah. He was on uh, Tough Asia, correct? I believe so, yes. Okay. Um yeah, so definitely impressive for um, impressive win for Mike Perry. He's, he's undefeated, and um, this was a this was a card of of welterweights. So, you know, there's definitely a lot of possibilities for him down the line. Yeah, and uh, who else was on the card? I believe Tim Means was on there as well. Yeah, so Tim Means very impressive win, uh, looking dominant over Sabah Hamasi. But Tim Means came out there and and handle business. I mean, he roughed him up in the first round, almost put him out of there towards the end of the round. And what, what really stuck out to me were those close distance elbows he was throwing. I mean, he's basically throwing his elbows like punches, very, very uh, reminiscent of John Jones. Yeah. And uh, Hamas, he, he looked like he was really outmatched the entire fight. I don't think there's any area where he did too well. Yeah. And uh, uh, Tim Means, uh, also a big big welterweight i mean he's 6'2 you know long reach so he's gonna give a lot of people some problems in that division as of late i mean he's only got one loss i think in the ufc to matt brown who's you know another top contender um oh no he also lost to neil magny um but you know again top contenders and and he seems to seems to put guys out of there. So I mean, he's he's going to be a handful for a lot of people. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. And to quote you, Bill, Tim means business, and, <laughs> and he's doing really well. And I'd like to see him take on another top ten guy. I want to see how he does against him. Yeah, top ten, or I, I wouldn't mind seeing him get in there with Mike Perry. Um, you know, th- those are two guys with, who definitely showed some impressive stand up last night. So. Um, they'll probably be on a similar recovery timeline. Uh, why, why not throw them in there together? I, I feel like that would be an exciting matchup. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. They both did really well tonight. I mean, last night. And they showed that they've got some serious skills as well as punching power. I'd love to see them go at it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so a couple of things I want to breeze over. I don't really want to talk too much about, but Lorenz Larkin knocking out Neil Magny in the Fight Pass um, featured prelim. Uh, kind of an upset. Because Magny was kind of on a tear, I think he was he won nine out of the last ten. Only lost coming to Damian Maya, um, Lorenz Larkin, uh, a big underdog here, and I feel like they were trying to build Magny up, which is why they put him as the featured fighter on Fight Pass. Um, but Larkin coming up coming coming out with the upset in spectacular fashion. He had a pretty devastating knockout there. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's not something I was expecting to happen. Neil Magny's a tough dude. You know, he, he fights really well. I enjoy watching his fights. And I would think that he's got a pretty good chin on him, too. But, you know, Larkin, good for him. Yeah. That big win. Yeah, Magny's got a great chin. I, I remember that fight with, with Hector Lombard where that should have been stopped, you know, t- t- 25 times or something in those first two rounds. And Magny was able to come back and win. So that that was definitely an impressive performance. Um, and then another fight, which I didn't get to see, but... Uh, 
not a good night for the, the boys from Stockton. One of Nate Diaz's teammates, Chris Avila, lost to uh, one of Conor McGregor's teammates, Artem Lobov, who's um, another Ultimate Fighter alumni. Yeah, any any thoughts on that win for for McGregor's camp over Diaz's camp? Uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's another W in the win in the column for, for McGregor's camp. So I feel like the Diaz boys might be a little quiet for a bit. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know if you could quiet down the Diaz boys. Uh, <laughs> but, well, um, except for a bit. I mean like a day. Yeah. I mean, Nate, one thing I didn't like, and I, I do really love Nate Diaz, and, and I respect him so much as a fighter, but at the post-fight press conference last night, he was kind of making some excuses, saying he came in with a knee injury and and um, you know he he couldn't he couldn't get his boxing off because he couldn't uh, he couldn't pop off of his knee, which was kind of disappointing to hear from Nate. Because uh, like I said, he has such a great poker face and he's such a tough guy. So to hear him after a loss come out and say, you know, well I didn't do my best because I had an injury, that was kind of disheartening to hear. Definitely, um, and you know Nate Diaz is not one for excuses. So yeah, I definitely agree with you there. A little a little disappointing. Yeah. What, what wasn't disappointing and, and probably predictable was Raquel Pennington with a very dominant performance over Elizabeth Phillips. Um, you know, and, and we caught this fight, at, and Raquel Pennington looked impressive in this fight. And that's, that's three in a row for her. Um, she's looking good. She, and, you know, this division is kind of a mixed bag right now. So what do you do with Raquel Pennington here? I'd like to see her take on a top contender, you know, someone in the top five. And maybe from there, if she can beat someone in the top five, maybe start looking for the title shot. Yeah, I mean, I I could definitely see her uh, fighting for the title in the near future, especially in this division where, you know, anything can happen. Uh, her last loss was a split decision over the former champion, um, Holly Holm. So, you know, she's definitely a contender. I, I, I agree with you. I'd like to see her in there against some top competition. And speaking of top competition... The last fight I want to touch on is uh, Cody Garbrandt, Team Alpha Male fighter, uh, taking out Tagea Mizugaki in um, what came to be almost a forgettable knockout in the string of knockouts and, you know, the, the barn burner main event that would follow it. But uh, I'd like to end on this note. What are your thoughts on this fight? Oh, man, dude, that could have been on the main card. I, I almost forgot that it was, you know, on the card at all because, like you said, Main card was so great, but Cody, dude, he's scary. Yeah, I mean, uh, 10, 10 wins, nine knockouts. There's only been a decision once, and um, you know, you, you pretty much have to stand with the guy because he's got such a, you know, such a solid wrestling background that he uses in reverse, so he can, you know, throw that dynamite he has in his hands. And um, uh, unfortunately, Takeya Mizugaki was on the receiving end of that dynamite last night. Any any other thoughts on this fight? I mean, I don't know what else to say. Bodyguard Brown, like I said, he's scary. And, I mean, he basically, he would murder a normal human being if he <laughs> did to them what he did to Mizugaki last night. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely seeming that way. And um, for, for Mizugaki, it seems like, uh, unfortunately, he's been, he's been having some rough losses. I mean, he's been knocked yeah. out. He was knocked out by Dominic Cruz, Aljamain Sterling, 
uh, choked him out, and then uh, he had a win over George Root. But then that, after that knockout last night, you, you got to be concerned for Takei Mizugaki, who who's a tough guy and who's been in some wars over the years. But in terms of, of facing these this top competition in the UFC, it doesn't seem like he could really hang with these guys anymore. Yeah, and the UFC is you know a promotion where if you've got more than three losses, they're gonna start you know they're gonna start really reevaluating where they want to go with the U.S. fighter. Yeah, definitely. So speaking of where they want to go with fighters, um, Cody Garbrandt was calling out Dominic Cruz before he went even went into this fight and basically saying, you know, after I knock out Mizugaki, I should get a shot at Dominic Cruz. Uh, we saw Dominic Cruz's reaction last night where he was kind of standing up and saying, and, you know, yelling down from the from the Fox um <laughs> broadcast booth broadcast. <laughs> yelling down to him like let's go let's do this uh, it seems like this fight's gonna happen i know you think it's too early for for no love but uh it looks like dominic cruz wants uh another shot at yet another team alpha fail member <laughs> as he refers to them well i mean listen i love dominic cruz and I, I do think it's a little early to give Cody Garbrandt a title shot. But, man, to see, just seeing how fired up they both got, I kind of want to see it happen. Now. Yeah, I, I do too. Um, you know, it's not obviously it's not going to be as easy for him to touch, touch the champ's chin as it's been for his last couple of opponents. Although, you know, Thomas Almeida was 21-0, I believe, when he, when he destroyed him in the first round. So you never know what could happen. Um, but I'm sure Cruz will come up with a great game plan for him. Uh, as far as that division, I don't feel like there's anybody else who has as much hype behind them as Cody Garbrandt right now. It, it kind of makes the most sense for who's left in that division uh, for for those two to square off. Yeah, that's what it's starting to look like. Yeah. So um, we, we got through these fights last night, and we were enjoying ourselves. And while we were out at a local bar, we were enjoying some... some uh, local beer as well. You want to talk a little bit about uh, what you're sipping on for 202? Yeah, I started off with a carton, which I really enjoy. It's an IPA. Uh, it's a little creamier, and I really enjoy it. It's brewed locally in New Jersey, so that's why. And it's, uh, it's got like a little bit of a milky flavor in there, so I really like that. All right, cool. What I was drinking last night was also an IPA. It was a Sweetwater 420 that comes out of, uh, it comes out of Georgia, but I, I discovered this beer because I spent a lot of time in Tampa, Florida, um, and, and it's real popular down south. And, and it's, again, this trend that we're seeing with the real light IPAs. And usually when you think of an IPA, people who drink you know, typical American lagers are turned off by IPAs because they sit so heavy, like sit like a rock in your stomach, and after one or two, you're kind of full. But you know, the trend we're seeing is that the IPAs are being made a little bit lighter, and they go down a little smoother. Um, but they still have like the, the hoppiness and the alcohol content that gives you that little bit of kick. So you know you don't need to down uh, a, a dozen light beers to to start feeling good. You can eat you know a couple of good tasting craft beers and they'll do the job. Yeah, yeah. I I'm starting to really enjoy IPAs. I really like the hoppiness that they have to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a nice flavor to me. Yeah, definitely. All right, so any other kind of culminating thoughts on 202 or anything else going on in the UFC? I got nothing. I mean, I thought it lived up to the hype. It was a phenomenal card. Yeah. Um, you know, but basically anything that followed UFC 200 was going to be good. So. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, I think this this actually topped UFC 
200 in terms of, of excitement and, uh, you know, even tops that, that uh, awesome Sioux Falls card that, that we saw after 200, which was amazing as well. And we got, we got some awesome fights coming up next week too, which I don't even want to start to scratch the surface on that, but uh, Damian Maya versus Carlos Condit, which uh, I'm pretty excited about. And then the rest of that card is looking pretty stacked for a fight night as well. Uh, but we'll get into that another time. Um, so Jeff, if you got nothing else left, uh, we'll, we'll cut it off here and then we'll be back next Sunday, maybe sometime in between. I do want to do a preview of this fight night coming up on Saturday, but in any case, thanks for listening. And, you know, as always hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at MMA on the rocks. Let us know what you're thinking and drinking. Jeff, as always, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me, Bill. All right, and uh, we'll raise up a couple of IPAs sometime during the week and maybe break down this fight card coming up on Saturday. Uh, Thanks, everybody. Goodbye.